You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network. Hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Venerable. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome to the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We are coming to you live before the first preseason game against the Dallas Cowboys. My name is Blake Murphy on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. Joined by my co-host, the venerable John Venerable. John, you've been on the podcast game quite a bit the last two weeks, at least. Glad that we're able to make some time to talk about the takeaways we've had from training camp and preview this Cardinals football game. How are you doing before we start? Doing well, Blake. It is good to be back here talking Arizona Cardinal football games and actually previewing games, even though they are pretend (laughs) practice games. Uh, But yeah, super excited. Dallas Cowboys, Arizona Cardinals, Friday night football here in the desert. It's an opportunity, Blake, for a lot of young players that didn't have a chance to shine in the preseason. Is and some of the Cardinals that we are hoping will shine in the preseason, especially will be along the defensive line and the running back position. We have the Cardinals have multiple players who are either out or on the COVID list. We're talking about James Connor, Lecky Fotu are being added to the list, along with Darrell Daniels and Charles Washington are in the protocol. Andy Isabella, unfortunately, for the second time is on the COVID protocol. Uh, based from the commentary, our friend Jess Root was able to point out that there's only two players who were added onto the wire on that last Thursday when he was, uh, I should say Wednesday, when he was added. And both of them were said to have COVID. So the idea is that Isabella is probably going to miss this game. If he's been vaccinated, then he is very likely to return for the next preseason game. Uh, But really, with J.J. Watt, Jordan Phillips, Rashard Lawrence, and Zach Allen all not able to practice, this has kind of turned into almost a repeat of the end of the 2020 season, John, when the Cardinals were just run ragged by not having healthy defensive linemen. This is a spot where it feels really unfortunate for these current defensive linemen. Obviously, the likes of J.J. Watt and others are probably going to be guys who they're just trying to keep healthy for the regular season. But it does really feel like, especially in this running back room, what a lot of fans will be looking for is specifically at the play of Rondale Moore taking over Isabella's snaps, Keyshawn Johnson as he pushes to make the team, and the battle between Eno Benjamin and uh, Joe, I should say Jonathan Ward. The JoJo Ward has a chance, I would say, to prove he can be a speed guy on special teams. But John, you and I both think he's a practice squad candidate. So it really comes down to watching those three players tonight, I think, at least is the biggest takeaways we can look at heading into this first preseason game. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to see you know Benjamin Valley Superstar last played a game, uh, a live game would be Arizona State, Arizona back in November of 2019, have an opportunity now to stick with this team. And I know he was on the active roster all last year. And, you know, I, I fully expected that had he been subject to the practice squad, he, he would have been claimed by another team. I think the Cardinals know what kind of ability he has. He just didn't have an opportunity for live reps against, you know, opposing teams of, of quality. And the preseason is, is where a lot of Eno Benjamins make their mark. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing him have an opportunity to, to secure maybe the third RB spot with the Arizona Cardinals. I'm also excited to see the development of fourth-round pick this year, Marco Wilson. Listen, the Cardinals have some inconsistencies, let's just call them, at the cornerback position. Outside of really Byron Murphy, they don't have a ton of young talent housed and developed for the Cardinals. And so when they traded up for Marco Wilson, 
know, former All-SEC defensive back out of the University of Florida. It gave them an opportunity to kind of jumpstart that production, that pipeline in the secondary, if you will. And, you know, lo and behold, throughout camp, he has looked very surprisingly well. He's been running with the ones at times. I was at the red and white practice, as were you, Blake, last weekend. He was um, subbing in and out with the likes of Robert Alford, Malcolm Butler. So they have confidence in him. But again, it's different when the lights come on. Let's see how he does tonight against a very potent Dallas passing game. But to me, Eno and Marco Wilson are two of the highest profile names coming into this game that, that figure to have a good amount of snaps in them, Blake. We also know that uh, speaking of positions that the Cardinals are a bit weak on, tight end is one of those spots. Uh, Cardinals do sign another veteran tight end in Demetrius Harris, a guy who's got a couple hundred, uh, like I should say at least like maybe 70-ish games experience. Uh, for sure, he's got at least 16 or so of these are um, either playoff games that he's been in or being able to at least be games that are like playoff games for the postseason. So when you got a guy who's about 230 pounds, you're looking at him going, all right, there's not really the same type of, you know, 250, 260 blocking tight end that Max Williams is. But he was always the blocking, like, second tight end for the Chiefs behind the likes of Travis Kelsey, a guy who's been maybe arguably the healthiest player in the NFL, uh, missing only two games in his career. They were both Week 17 games where the team had all but wrapped up for the postseason. Uh, that's something where it's hard to be able to shine. It's also difficult to be able to recognize that he may have to be a guy the Cardinals count on right now the experience in their room after Max Williams you got Darrell Daniels who only has about two years or so of experience mostly as the third tight end uh, this is another spot that I'm going to be looking for John because right now the Cardinals don't have any other games or any other even player you could say who could fill in for some of those pass catching snaps from Dan Arnold so I'll be watching the tight end room as well to see if um, guys like Ross Travis who's flashed a bit with Colt McCoy as the tight end three or even tight end one for his second team and check and see if maybe the likes of a Bernard Sykovitz will be wearing uh, his native flag at least for this first preseason game see if either of those guys are able to flash because right now John the Cardinals are in a spot where they may keep only two tight ends on the roster at the cost of keeping another wide receiver and then using a running back in some of those different places. I'll be very curious to see how they do along with Kyler Murray and the first team offense. Uh, let's talk about what we want to expect from the first teamers tonight for the few snaps they'll get after we talk a bit about uh, what are the other places that you're looking for on this team as far as from some of the backup spots or guys who are going to be fighting for roster spots at the cornerback, the tight end, maybe even some of these other linebacker positions uh, for those who are not going to be necessarily the starters, but guys of the Cardinals just don't have a lot of depth on, and you need to see someone produce here. Yeah, I'm concerned about the tight end position, as I have been since they allowed Dan Arnold to hit free agency and not come up with a competent replacement. And again, that's a position where Cliff and Kime both have said, yeah, well, we're going to bring some people in. We're going to bring some bodies in. Well, the guys that they brought in have been essentially no-name, practice squad-level players, projects, like Dan Arnold was once upon a time. And I think best case scenario, they don't even turn out to be as good as Dan Arnold is, who by all accounts is having a fabulous camp with the Carolina Panthers and you know his ongoing chemistry with Sam Darnold there. So with all due respect to Max Williams, who I think has an integral role on the team, they missed his presence as a tight end run blocker last year. They don't have a plus pass catching tight end. I'm not even sure they have an average pass catching tight end. Now you mix in the fact that Daryl Daniels is on the COVID, you know, contract, not contracted, but close contact list. 
he's missing vital snaps against uh, the Dallas Cowboys in their preseason opener. To me, I think that that's the biggest weakness on the team, even more so than the concern that folks have externally at cornerback. I know, again, everybody in the comments are going to run all kinds of 10 personnel, and that may be true. They're probably going to bounce back and forth from 12 to 10. Maybe you'll see Justin Murray, if he doesn't win the right guard job, come in as essentially a tackle that's in there to block along with Max Williams. And, and Max has had a good camp. But again, I just don't think you can be a competitive offense, high-level offense here in 2021 and not have a plus pass catching tight end. You look around the division, certainly around the NFC. I mean, Robert Tanyan, George Kittle. To me, I'm just concerned that they just put too much ownership at receiver. And instead of coming away with even a competent receiving tight end in free agency, and those went fast and furious. And you, if you remember back in March, you know, the Patriots gobbled up a couple, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. Cardinals could have gone and spent some money and added that. And they've got money right now. I think that money's going to get allocated to Larry Fitzgerald, but that's neither here nor there. So I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of offensive formations they run throughout the duration of the preseason and if they are certainly committed to Max Williams' tight end number one, Blake. Yeah, John, one thing we talked about, I know, was when the Cardinals are making the Rondale Moore pick at pick 49, it was exciting because you were finally seeing a guy who not only was a fit for the scheme, but and it was at production and hands at a major college program at Purdue, but also was something that was almost had to be selected to get some sort of speed on the roster. Christian Kirk, he's used primarily as the deep threat. Obviously, his skill set is supposedly going to be more in the intermediate part of the field he's a 4-4 guy not as much of your typical 4-3 speedsters can break tackles at least that was part of what was advertised we just had not seen it it was making up for the Andy Isabella pick John plain and simple and as a result they passed on a guy who probably would be the number one pass catching tight end for this team in Pat Fryermuth at pick 55 which has been kind of I think typical of why we've talked about the Cardinals have struggled to be able to overcome some of these NFC West teams a lot of it is because even though we're finally at a spot where we say hey they've got talent on the offensive line they've got talent on the defensive line and some depth when you see some of those injuries or picks not working out suddenly you're talking about hey can we have this deandre hopkins aj green christian kirk in the slot and then put in rondale moore in this 10 personnel lookup that's where you're talking about being the most amount of talent on the field for arizona and that's where i'll be looking at least as far as for with the first team there's going to be a few snaps uh let's talk about kyler murray what do we want to see from him what are going to be things we want to see from him with the offense? For me, I think it's not likely that A.J. Green's going to play. I would guess at least that we see some snaps from Christian Kirk. You'll see, obviously, some snaps from DeAndre Hopkins before he's pulled. I'd love to see what the protections look like from the first-team offensive line that's now healthy and now has Josh Jones starting in the right guard position. Uh, if the team ends up getting off to uh, a start where, let's say, Kyler goes 5-5, five of five, they drive down the field, Chase Edmonds gets at least a few snaps, maybe you got a few first downs, that's, I think, all you can expect. The question then, John, is if you don't get that and you're saying, hey, how much of this do we need to say? He doesn't have his full offensive uh, setup on the field. Maybe there's some youth that's there. How much do Cardinals fans need to worry if, let's say, Kyler goes, you know, three for five for 50 yards, they punt twice, 
and you end up seeing at least where then the Cardinals move to Colt McCoy after that first segment. We talked about how when their struggles against the Raiders were partially because of being a dummy offense in 2019, how much of it might just be some of the struggles that we've seen with the Cardinals when Kyler isn't able to run continue. Because from my perspective, one area I felt the Cardinals have been underrated is everything looked fantastic when you had that 10 personnel with Green and Hopkins on the field or being able to get the Baltimore downfield. And when you took those guys away, we saw some of the struggles of having Keyshawn Johnson and Andy Isabella being receiver one and two in the red-white practice. Should we be concerned as Cardinals fans if we see those struggles continue? Or how much of that is simply just recognizing that, hey, this is preseason and you don't want to make season-long takes off of preseason recognizing? Now, the 2018 Cardinals, I should say, if I remember correctly, was, what was it, like eight turnovers they caused against the Dallas Cowboys under Steve Wilkes, and that team went 3-13 and in the regular season. Yeah, I think there's nothing to be concerned with with this Cardinal offense from a quarterback standpoint. I know a lot of people have been critical of Kyler Murray's training camp reps, which I didn't even know was a thing to be concerned about. Kyler Murray didn't have a preseason last year and set the world on fire for the first eight games of the season. Had a phenomenal opener against San Francisco. By all accounts, this is a better team, specifically on the offensive line. They've added weapons in the passing game, and this is his third year having, quote-unquote, mastered the Kingsbury offense. I'm not concerned in the least with Kyler Murray. I don't particularly want to see him exposed to irrelevant preseason snaps I and by all accounts Blake what I've seen from Colt McCoy is this is the Cardinals backup of the future of this year I think he's made Chris Trevler expendable I think they should carry two quarterbacks Colt McCoy I think has been a godsend for this team where you know Brett Hundley was marginal his first year and then last year we saw certainly the shortcomings of Strevler in that week 17 game against LA. Colt McCoy has won games in the NFL before. He's been a starter. He understands what it takes to prepare and succeed. He's not a great player. That's why he's a backup. But he knows the system. He's got a similar background to Kyler Murray. Heisman Trophy kids from from Texas and um, you know tons of accolades, right? And, and so I think he'll be able to come in and move the football competently tonight with a Keyshawn Johnson, right? With a JoJo Ward. Maybe Eno you know, Benjamin out of the backfield. That, that, to me, is what I'm looking forward to because I think that instills confidence in the fact that Cliff Kingsbury can scheme up offense for not just elite quarterback prospects, if that makes sense. To be able to put you know, points on the board tonight against, yes, a Dallas team that is learning a new defense, was horrendous defensively last year, I'm, just, I'm anxious to see Colt McCoy's command because what I've seen when I've been at practice, what I've seen through clips and, and comments in the media, is that Colt McCoy has had a phenomenal camp and is one of the more underrated signings of this team during the Kingsbury era. So to me, listen, the offense is going to live or die with Murray, and they have to develop more of an intermediate passing game. We've covered that at nauseum. That's why they brought in A.J. Green. Rondell Moore is going to, ha- going to help from yards after catch standpoint. Christian Kirk's migration to the slot's going to help. But I will also tell you, at the end of the day, that is up to Kyler and going through his progressions and not playing too much backyard football with DeAndre Hopkins. And I, listen, he's improved every year statistically and from a win total percentage. I, I, I do not expect Kyler Murray to have a dip offensively this year. Yeah, John, uh, we're going to be kind of wrapping up for some of that. Let's talk a bit at least about with the uh, just with some of the team in general, at least, and going over. The biggest thing to look at for preseason, uh, game number one, I, for me, if I have to say the biggest thing that I want to look at, I think a lot of it's going to be focused on if you don't get the same returns that you're expecting to get from Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins in year one, and we know that based on the practices we've watched, they've got a lot of areas where they've been lining up 
um, uh, Isaiah on the edge. So he's been at times in a spot where he's either in coverage on a tight end, kind of that Hassan Reddick Sam linebacker role where either you go with the guy down the field or you're able to blitz, kind of that role that we saw for the first part of 2020 with uh, Hassan Reddick before he took over for Chandler Jones is kind of that robber bandit main pass rushing role game for one-on-one coverage if you have Simmons on the outside there he's going to be a guy who is blitzing the quarterback is maybe playing as far as if you've got a more mobile quarterback Dak Prescott is not going to be likely playing tonight he's getting another MRI on his shoulder you're going to probably be seeing a lot of you know Ben DiNucci and Cooper Rush uh, you want to be able to see that that type of lineup that then has Jordan Hicks and Zayvon Collins is one that's going to be effective we've talked about how Hicks just cannot keep up with tight ends, if you got two tight end sets, the expectation should be that you have um, that coverage responsibility belongs to Zaven, it belongs to Isaiah, and then you're allowed Jordan to be that guy who can either read the quarterback and get a pick in the middle of the field like he's done in the past, or if you've got play action or playing against the run, maybe some delayed rush handoffs. Uh, that's where I think you're going to be looking at uh, if this kind of defensive setup works. You're going to be talking about wanting to have those guys become stars in their own right and being able to cover up, I guess you could say, some of these cornerback spots. If the Cowboys go into these lineups and suddenly you're talking about, you know, Darquez Denard, um, a guy like Tay Gowan or even Marco Wilson, and they go into these type of personnel lineups where all of a sudden you got a receiver on Jordan Hicks, you're like, okay, this is not what we want to see from the defense. You're going to want to be able to have either those guys be able to stay on the field as a three-down linebacker to make up for it with tight coverage, or you're going to want to be able to have it where the teams are just essentially being forced to go and pass the ball due to the fact that your linebackers are playing the run game solid. They've got the speed and ability to essentially be able to stuff the run um, up front with the defensive line, and even if those guys get through – you want to make sure that Zavin's making those tackles, Isaiah's making tackles. That will then force teams into these third and long. Suddenly you bring J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden on the field. That's where the Cardinals' defense and bread and butter, and it has to start, in my opinion, with that linebacking core. John, what's the number one thing that you're looking for tonight? And my assumption is that you're going to say a certain Arizona State running back, but I want to see what you're curious about if you've got something else. Well, yeah, you're right in that assessment. Before I get to Eno, I will say equally as excited to see the maturation process of Isaiah Simmons and, and rookie Xavier Collins and their chemistry together. I think from an important standpoint for the season, that that is top of the list. I mean, those two guys have to click. They have to perform at a high level this year for the Cardinals even to have a chance. Those are their last two first-round picks, of course. They were both top 20 picks, and in Simmons' case, he was a top 10 pick. So, This year, we need to see a gaudy stat line from both those individuals, specifically Isaiah Simmons. And I think we will. By all accounts, Simmons has had a phenomenal camp. His athleticism is consistently on display. And Xavier Collins is is one of the most physically impressing individuals, imposing individuals that I've seen at camp this year. So, again, I'm not worried about those two, but I'm just, I'm excited to see them live, even for a series or two. But yeah, it's, it's gotta be Eno Benjamin. Eno, who, again, has an opportunity to put a staple on the on the third running back position on this team. And I know Jonathan Ward's been getting a lot of reps, and he's looked good. But, you know, James Conner, we'll see. He's been dinged up in the past. Same with Chase Edmonds. If Eno can just carve out a niche on special teams and stay healthy, not only do I think he makes this football team, I think he gets carries. Uh, again, he's somebody that was uber productive at the collegiate level for, for whatever reason, fell in the draft to the seventh round. But, again, this, this position itself lends – lends itself to, to guys being undrafted and late-round picks having really successful careers. You can't say that traditionally about left tackle and certainly quarterback and pass rusher, right? But running backs, it's much more interchangeable. 
And I think this is going to be the best run-blocking offensive line that the Cardinals have had in some time. The inclusion of Josh Jones, I think, provides an upside. That's another player to watch if you're you know, looking for sub-tier storylines and, and his stranglehold in the right guard position. But to me, can, can Eno Benjamin Pop show the electricity and quickness that he showed throughout camp? And especially because James Conner and Jonathan Moore don't do this on a plus level, and he, like Chase Edmonds, catch the football out of the backfield. And I think he can. I think if we're talking about player that most emulates what they want mm-hmm. to do with Chase Edmonds, it's Eno Ben. Right. Eno's going to be going up against Jonathan Ward, a big back. He's a guy who uh, we're, is James Conner is listed at 6'1", 230. I believe that Jonathan Ward is actually at the 6'1", 230 that he's listed at. He's another guy who's a bigger back that the Cardinals liked a lot last year. Um, seeing how his pass catching is versus Enos will be interesting. I do think that the Cardinals could keep four running backs on the roster this year, John, versus simply just three. Uh, due to the fact that Chase and James could be flexed into uh, the slot and use as wide receivers. Um, that is something I think that will sum up the preseason game number one. Again, it is preseason. There's not too much to dwell on, uh, but it is a big step, uh, especially when it comes to keeping guys clean, not having injuries. The Cardinals the last few years, up until 2020 with no preseason, had almost always lost at least one big full-time starter in the preseason. Not necessarily a game, but either in a preseason practice or at a portion. Uh, two years in a row, that was Robert Alford. That's one of the guys I think you'll want to watch and make sure that he gets through. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about a point that you had said on your Twitter account here, talking about the Cardinals at large as we wrap up. You had mentioned that the Cardinals are ranked uh, as the 11th best team by one ranking source uh, in the NFL. And that's essentially like just outside of the top 10. Meanwhile, they're ranked by that fourth in their division, meaning that the Cardinals would still be looked at as either outside of the playoffs for some Uh, or just being able to be one of those teams that is below the Niners, despite the rookie quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo, below the Seahawks that looked to take a step back last season. Are people sleeping on the Arizona Cardinals in some of these power rankings? This is a team that, as we looked at last year, was, as many have said, despite the fact they played an easier schedule, you're about two Zan Gonzalez kicks away from the playoffs. You're talking about a team that's added the likes of A.J. Green and Rondale Moore and now has cemented themselves with Rodney Hudson on the offensive side. Whereas on the defensive side, they're no worse off, you'd say, from the corner position. Uh, Some are looking at, hey, is the depth really good? With how Patrick Peterson played, with how Malcolm Butler played, if you consider those to be pretty much equal, you could argue the Cardinals by adding Zaven Collins and some more athleticism along with Watt. The biggest thing I think, John, overall is that they should overall be at least a better team on paper. Now, as we've talked about, on paper does not equal real life. The Cardinals have trusted a lot of their season to guys who've struggled to produce and have had or have had injuries um, outside of J.J. Watt and others. I think, John, the question here at least is, are we saying that the Cardinals should be one of these much better 12 and five teams and they're being underrated? I want to get some of your thoughts on all of this, at least as we kind of close up and talk about why a lot of people may be sleeping on the Cardinals. And this may be a better advertised team than we think. Than we think. Well, I think from a, a purely player standpoint, this is a clear playoff level roster. I mean, they playoff level roster last year. They had more talent than the Chicago Bears who made the postseason, but they didn't make the postseason. And, that was in large part to the subpar coaching that they got from their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, down the stretch. 
And so I think where the hesitation is with a lot of these national media pundits uh, who put together these power rankings is the Cardinals just get downgraded because of Cliff. And they get downgraded because they don't have a history of winning. And I think that similar to like what happened with Cleveland last year, until a team shows you it can do it. And people have disconnected the Cardinals, rightfully so, from the Bruce Arians era because he's not here anymore, from the Kurt Warner era. Can they have sustained success? And as much as people love Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and Rodney Hudson and DJ Humphreys and Buda Baker and Chandler Jones. You go through this lineup and it's as good as any individual lineup in the NFC outside of maybe Tampa and, you know, maybe Green Bay. You can mix in the Rams if you want to, but from a top to bottom 53-man roster standpoint for one single season, it's it's up there. It's a playoff team. And they've got a quarterback who should be in his pop year, third-year player Kyler Murray. But they look at who's running the show on the sideline, and they look at, unfortunately, what is a historically great loaded division. If they were in the NFC East, it would be different, the NFC South, the NFC North. But they're in the NFC West, which has multiple coaches who have been to the Super Bowl during their short tenure. I mean, Carol, uh, Kyle Shanahan, and Sean McVay have all been to the Super Bowl. Shanahan and Sean McVay have been to the Super Bowl in the last three years. And both of those teams would tell you they underachieved last year and have made significant updates to their roster. And Russell Wilson's happy, and he's back in the fold in Seattle, and they've made additions. So I always kind of just knew if the Cardinals had opted to keep Cliff, I mean, remember how we felt back in January of this year. We were dejected because it's like, yeah, we know they're going to be aggressive in free agency, and they were. We know they're going to have a couple splash signings or or a trade, right? Rodney Hudson, J.J. Watt. But until they prove it with Cliff, I don't think you can say that they're being slept on. I think, listen, right around their over-under this year, seven and a half, eight wins. I think they're going to go maybe slightly over, but but maybe by a game if they're nine and eight. They're not an 11, 12-win team because their head coach just hasn't proven that he can win double-digit games at any level. I think a lot of that, at least for the Cardinals, is there's a lot of proving to be done for Steve Keim as well, given the fact that, uh, as we've talked about, the drafting in all the areas, if the Cardinals are not able to make the playoffs this year, you're looking at you know, a lot of guys departing the team this next year, a lot of questions about Kyler Murray's contract and all of the same. That will then just about wrap it up for us on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Uh, I want to thank you guys for following me at LickMurphy7 on Twitter, at Johnny Venerable. As usual, you can follow the pod at the likes of at ROTB pod on Twitter, as well as on RevengeOfTheBirds.com. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you back next week after breaking down some of the preseason game number one for the Arizona Cardinals. Take care.